Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Keep practicing law and then you move back when things are better in the economy. Law firms love it when when attorneys get mortgages. They love it when they have kids. They love it when... And the reason they like it is because all of a sudden you have to work. If you do not put jobs, what about gaps? Yeah, a lot of times there's resume gaps on people's resumes. And sometimes they're very long-term gaps. Gaps are not a good thing. You're expected to... People are expected to start practicing law and never stop. And and people, a lot of times people have all sorts of resume gaps. The problem with starting law and practicing law and stopping, and I just, I don't want to get too far into this, but you lose your contacts, you lose lose your expertise, you, you all these things happen when you stop practicing law, lose focus and walk away from matters. And all these bad things happen when you stop practicing law. And so there's always been in the legal market, and it's been around forever, even before, is that people are expected to never stop practicing law. Now, again, that's there's it's different now and it's changed, but what I would recommend is if you do have gaps in your resume, which is okay, you just put them down and, and that's it. And then you can explain them. So people go and have children, they do other things and so forth, but no one's going to be impressed if you said, I wanted to go write a book or I wanted to take a sabbatical. They don't like that. If you do have gaps on there, then just leave them there. I've had funny experiences before. I, this is funny, this funny experience, but I, years ago, I, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I decided to open an office in Las Vegas and, and I think I thought it was booming and all these things were going on. And so st- got into Las Vegas and I started interviewing people and I kept getting these resumes with all these gaps. And, uh, but I would interview the people. And, and then I started figuring out that these people had actually been in prison like during these gap times. And these were like people to be my assistant and things like that. They weren't necessarily legal jobs, but it was funny. I was like, wow. And again, that's not what they're going to connote here, but you need to be very careful about gaps. And, and there is this expectation that once you start practicing law, you should never stop. And then again, you should be in the same practice area and all that too as well. Okay, so let's see here. So this person says, if you have contract work, is it better to list Robert have contract for seven years and list jobs under one heading? I, yeah, I don't. If you were a contractor for seven years for Robert Half, I don't know the best way to write that, but I would just say discovery specialist, and then and then you could say work for several law firms on behalf of or something like that as a discovery specialist for these years, or as a e-discovery specialist or whatever you can say it that way. The problem with anytime you write. Like that you're a contractor. And again, lots of people are contractors. There's nothing wrong with being a contractor and I'm not judging it. But if you're trying to get a job as a full-time attorney in a law firm, you have to look at it from the law firm's point of view. But they want someone with a short-term mentality that may not have been trained in their practice area and, or do they want someone who's going to commit and stay there long-term? And so that's the reason you have to be very careful about contract jobs because you need to be able to communicate something different than what a contract work does. And then the only other problem with contract work is that a lot of times it's not, doesn't require the same level of detail and thought in terms of this, what you might do. If you're reviewing documents, that's different than writing a brief or arguing in court. These are just different skills. You need to be very careful about how you're framing that. And and it's a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy. It's definitely a challenge. Okay. So this is a great question. How do you address being laid off? I recall in 2009, Law firm descriptions literally said, do not apply if you've been laid off. Wow. Okay. So the layoff, there's a bunch of problems with that. And I agree. I don't how that works either. And so there's a couple of schools of thought with a layoff. And so I want to, and I think this is a very good question. And I, 
So how do you just being laid off? So laying off, being laid off, there's a couple of different ways to think about that. So the first thing is if you're laid off, it does not mean you're unemployable. But what it does mean, it means that you were not considered the most valuable or connected at your firm. And that doesn't really mean anything. So let me, I'll tell you a couple stories. So one story is I was talking to this attorney years ago. I don't know if it was around this time. And she'd been, I think she'd been at Jones Day. And then she went to work at a huge firm in New York City that was hiring all these people from big firms to work on a giant case. And so they hired 15 people to help them. And then the case settled. And after a couple of years, and they'd each worked like 3,000 hours a year and just like crazy. And then the firm just laid them all off and the case settled. And and these are obviously very talented people coming from a top firm and they're all laid off and which is unfortunate. So it doesn't mean they were bad attorneys. No, but it also means that you're not always considered the most valuable connected at the firm. And the idea is that, and, but the other problem is it, when people are laid off, they're often, they have sour grapes and they have sour grapes at their next firm. And then they're often, they often quit or whatever, quit or problems and so forth at the next firm, problems at next firm or always covering their back. And I don't know, but it's just, I think that tends to be a lot of it. I had an experience, and this is just a, as an aside, early in my career, when I used to talk to attorneys all the time, I'd always talk to attorneys and they'd be laid off and I'd be like, oh, it's horrible or fired. And I would, I would bring them in to, to my company and the fired ones and the fired ones I would hire. And then within a year or two, they'd always fire me and then start competing firms and badmouth me. And, and so a lot of times when people are laid off and fired, they're actually can be very problematical at their next firms. And- Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. And so I noticed that. I've noticed that with a lot of people. And it's, I think it's just because it's a horrible experience getting laid off or fired. And so you're angry. And the angry happens to your next firm. But this stuff do not apply if you've been laid off. So basically what they're saying is they're saying that they want people. And I talked a little bit about this later. We have gaps. You lose your contacts, expertise, focus. But the other thing is I think when you're laid off, you're often angry and and always trying to protect your back at the next firm. And, and I don't know. But even if there were industry-wide layoffs and it wasn't your fault. And the idea is that the people with the most hours that have the most friends and stuff aren't laid off. And so law firms want to hire people that are going to be able to be connected and do the best work and are more valuable than whatever. And the law firm is going to invest in keeping them around no matter what happens. So what do you do if you're laid off? It's different being laid off in different cities. So the problem with the city like New York City or these sorts of places with lots of, or even San Francisco and a lot of big markets, there are tons of people that the law firms can hire that aren't laid off. And they don't have to worry about things like gaps and are they going to quit? Are they angry? Were they not considered the, and they don't have to worry about all the issues. So do not have to worry about issues. So that's the big issue there worry about issues. So what do you do? Like, how do you counteract that? The smartest possible thing you can do is to move to a smaller market where they don't have as many people to choose from with your type of qualifications. Or you can try to stick around in your market and compete for smaller firms and so forth. But the smartest thing you can do is move to a smaller market 
that not a lot of people to choose from your qualification. So I, I've worked with laid off candidates. I've had ones that have been laid off in San Francisco, New York and all this stuff. And they, and I'm like, that's, if you want to stick around and play this game in New York or San Francisco or whatever big market you're in, you're just going to be competing with everyone that's employed. And because work's slowing down everywhere, they're all going to be applying for the same jobs. The law firms are going to hire the people that are employed versus the ones that aren't because they have to worry about it. So what do you do? The smartest thing you can possibly do is to look at smaller markets. And these people are amazed. They're like, I don't know. I've got four job offers. I can't decide which one to take. Maybe I should just stick, stay in San Francisco and I'll get something. I'm like, no, you're getting hired in a small firm in Kentucky and Lexington or whatever. Our mid-sized firm, you, the, no firm in San Francisco is going to work. So you need to, if you're laid off, you just need to com- compete in the market that you're in by, if you're in a smaller market, but not competing in the market you're in, but look at a smaller market instead of competing in the market you're in, or look at a smaller firm. Again, I talked about earlier, you have these different size firms. You have your one, two, three, four, and five firms. And uh, if you're laid off from a five firm, your smartest thing would be to try to go to a four firm. And if you're laid off from a four firm, you might try to go to a three or a two firm. That's all. And the, or you could do the same thing with markets. Your five is going to be your huge markets. Your fours are your smaller markets. And so you just move to another market and you'll have no problem. The problem that a lot of people have, and I want to bring, I'm talking about this in a lot of detail now, because I do think that there's a recession coming on and it's going to be bad. It's There's all the stock market and everything that's happening. There's no way that this is not a, we're not in trouble. But the idea is that the mistake that people make, especially junior attorneys, is they're laid off and they think, oh, I'm a failure because I was laid off and one of the biggest firms in the country and what am I going to do? And they move home or so. It's just dumb stuff like that. Or they give up on the practice of law because, and no, you go to a smaller market or a smaller firm and you stick with it. This is what you do. You don't worry about trying to compete in a market where you're going to have a hard time. So if you get laid off at a big firm in New York City as a corporate attorney, then fine. Then you try to get another job, another big firm, but you also try to get a job maybe where you're from. Maybe you're from, I don't know, Tallahassee or something, and you try to get a job in Tallahassee and and then other markets, smaller markets in Florida. Maybe you look at other smaller markets and you'll get a job and you'll keep practicing law and then you move back when things are better in the economy. Happens all the time. But a lot of times people are mistaken thinking, I'm laid off in this huge market. I'm not getting offers. There must be something wrong. We have to quit the practice of law. No. You're just competing in a market where there's incredible number of people with your same qualifications, if not better, they're employed. So why wouldn't the law firms look at them first? They're looking at people that are less risk. You, And if a big law firm has the option, they're going to look at the people with the less risk. That's all. So these are just things that you really need to think about. And it's very important. I like these questions. They're very good questions. Thank you for everyone who's asking them. All right, it's a good idea to have different targeted resumes or different positions if I did different things. It's international arbitration. This looks very inconsistent on my profile. So your LinkedIn profile, people will look at, but you need to make your LinkedIn profile. And again, I probably should look at my LinkedIn profile, but I'm so busy doing this kind of stuff. But the point is, yeah, you need to make your LinkedIn profile consistent. And and sometimes you just put the name of the employer. That's it. You don't have to talk about all these different things. If you talk more about that, then people are going to, law firms have no reason to hire. Why would they hire someone that's doing five or six different things when they can hire someone that does one thing? Think about it. Just law firms want to hire people that do one thing, not five different things. So your LinkedIn profile needs to be consistent. Now, you don't need to talk about all the different things you do on your LinkedIn profile. You just list your employers with your resume. And then if your resume Yes, you should have different resumes for different positions or your resume should, it's not that you're lying, but your resume should 
emphasize different things for different positions. Okay, so that was a great question. It says cultural change is used in D terms, and most non people of color do not understand terms. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we did talk about cultural change. I did understand that in terms of what that was, what the person was talking about, but I don't really, this person I think we were talking about that was, was a, I don't know, but yeah, that's fine. But as a corporate attorney, I don't know that's necessarily. I'm just looking at this next question. That was a good question. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, the resume to be considered in AI. Okay, what advice tips can you provide to help explain a major career change at age 50 on an attorney resume and cover letter? So I'm not sure what that means by a major career change at the age of 50. I think what that may mean is a doing something different than practicing law. Again, law firms will hire people. You just put yourself in the shoes of an employer. If you've chosen to do something different and they have an applicant that's chosen to do something different and then an applicant that's doing, that's still practicing law, who would you choose? So you just need to be very careful about that. If you did do a major career change or something different at the age of 50 and want to come back, that's perfectly fine. But you have to, again, realize that the employers that are going to be interested in you may not be as prestigious as the ones you're coming from and or you're at before. And in order to interest people in you, you have to somehow be able to provide a benefit. One of the things I like about people that are in very focused practice areas is if, for example, if you were a employee benefits attorney, and from the age of 25 to 50, and then you decided you wanted to go open a, I don't know, a store selling canoes, and you did that between the age of 50 and 55, and then you wanted to go back to being an ERISA attorney, because you did that for 25 years, people would probably be very interested in you. You would still get a job, as crazy as it sounds, because you'd shown you commit to something for 50 years or 25 years, and there weren't a lot of people. So my advice would be to emphasize this as a commitment to one practice area would be the thing I would do, and someone will hire you. Okay, so someone says, I'm returning to work after seven-year absence. This, again, if you're doing something like that, there's nothing wrong. And law firms are actually very, because they want to look, they're actually very understanding if people have left for seven years to do something like raise children or, and they actually, I think in a lot of respects, you almost have a better chance many times because, and I don't say this in a condescending way, but Law firms love it when you, when attorneys get mortgages. They love it when they have kids. They love it when, and the reason they like it is because all of a sudden you have to work. And so anything that shows you have to work, which would be kids, paying for college, all those sort of things, actually are very good things for law firms. And they like that because it gives them control and it makes you more likely to stay because you're more senior and it makes it, it's harder for you to leave and get another job. So there's a lot of things they like about this. And so I think that could be very helpful. Is it ever possible to get a legal job if you started law four years and then owned your own business in non-legal field 15 years, now you want to go back to law? Okay, so it seems like it would be extraordinarily helpful for companies. So it's different getting an in-house job as opposed to getting a law firm job. So I do, with someone that's interested in the business sector, I'm just somewhat discouraged. I wish I was going to top law school and working on top law firm. So my, okay, so no, you're not doing, so there's a couple different schools of thought here and I just want to, this person got laid off during the recession and so no, you can, if you owned your own business in a non-legal field for 15 years, and then you, for four years, and you want to go back, you could actually get a job working for a company. So companies 
love people, especially a company in the industry that you were in as a general counsel or something, would be very interesting. So I don't know what the industry is, but say it was clothing or entertainment or, or I don't know, or restaurants or something. I had an experience once where I used to have this business and I think the website's still active, but it's not, but it it was called legal authority. And what it would do essentially is say you were looking for a job, we would, you would come to this company and we'd say, would you want to work in house? And we'd say yes. And say, okay, there's 6,000 companies and within 10 miles of your house in Burbank, California that have more than $10 million in revenue. Would you like to apply to them? And the person would say, yes, we would print the resume. And people would get tons of jobs. You get like 20, 30 jobs sometimes with companies. They get calls from restaurants and be like, wow, I thought when I opened my third location, I didn't realize that suddenly a great attorney like you would be interested in me. So there are so many in-house position people out there that would be interested in you. There's so many law firms that are smaller that might be interesting. And I would say smaller, I'm just in-house and all sorts of different things are definitely possible. And especially with that type of background, but law firms are just, law firms have to bring, they have, they have a kind of a pecking order and they need to make sure that they bring in people that are going to work hard and, and be able to do that are going to commit and, and haven't been their own boss and all these sorts of things. And if you don't have that, they're just going to hire someone that wasn't, unless you can position yourself in a certain way. With your own business, though, I think you would have a lot of luck getting your own, getting an in-house job. I also think you'd have a lot of luck starting your own practice, representing people in in that business because you understand the kind of problems. So that's really all there is to it. But no, you cannot leave a huge law firm. And even if you got laid off and do something for 15 years and expect to go back, you can work your way back, but you can't go back. No, Sometimes it will take you back. I've been, I saw, I've seen some incredible stories, but I've seen big firms, people leave to go have kids and then they come back 20 years later and the law firm welcomes back as a third year associate. And so it's very interesting. There are a lot of firms that do that. Okay. So this is an interesting question. I'll just answer this one real quick. I'm a lot of great work. I'm a doctor of law from Paris. I'm focused on privacy data production on online platforms. I've been doing research and would like to find a position, but I don't have any in-house or law firm experience. Okay. The first thing is if, so there's a lot of firms, U.S. firms that do international, that have international practices and they have international practices and have programs for international attorneys. So it's white and case. There's a bunch of them. And so you potentially could get a position with one of them. You also, but I, you're going to need the New York bar, the California, you're going to need the New York bar. Then you're also going to need to, and then you know, need to get sponsorship. How do you do that? There's a lot of different ways. Uh, it's not easy to, to do that. So if you're, if you have, if you're from Paris and that's where your law degree is from, you probably, in order to take the bar, I'm not sure, but I think you do need to get an L, maybe not in New York, but your law firm's not going to hire you unless you get an LM. So I might investigate trying to do that at Yale or another school. And then, but you also, once you do that, that'll give you a lot of options. Also with companies, companies aren't, don't look at law firms a lot of times with, it won't look at you as an, as a discriminating of a way as a law firm, because law firms have certain things that they need for their, so working for a French company in the U.S., working for a law firm in the U.S. with offices in Paris or trying to find a law firm in Paris that's a U.S. law firm that may offer you the opportunity to work in the U.S. in the long run. It would be how I would approach that. It is a fun thing. I took off part of my career, five years due to a long-distance personal relationship. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. 
and one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. I think, yeah, if you took five years off and you want to get back into a law firm, my idea would be I would just, the thing is about when you're applying to law firms is there's large law firms or small law firms and small law firms. If you're working in LA, that's a huge market. So you're going to have a very difficult time getting a position at a major firm, but smaller law firms that may not pay as much are probably a good idea. So the idea would be there's, there's personal injury firms that may start out. And this is in LA literally at $60,000 a year, you could start out at one of those firms and move to a larger one. Or if you have special type of corporate experience and so forth, you could move to, you could maybe get a job in a smaller firm. So you just, you have to work at a place that's not getting a lot of applicants. And those are typically going to be smaller firms. And when you say, what if you did take five years off for a long distance personal relationship, that does sound like you were more interested in doing something else, which is okay. But there are people that are would never consider doing something like that because they're so serious about their career. So my only advice to you would be to find a job. It's probably going to be in a smaller employer and then and then move to a larger one. The other thing that's nice too is that the there's all sorts of options that attorneys have. It's not law firms are not the only place you can work. You could work in government and all these different things. I think hopefully that's a good Okay, someone said I sent out a bad resume. How long do I have until sending out a new resume? It depends on how the, and this is I think the final question. It depends on the resume that you sent out. So if you did send out a bad resume, then it depends on whether or not the place you sent it to has a system. So if they have an applicant tracking system, then they probably have your original resume. You can certainly ask them to update your resume. They will probably just update and delete the old one. I don't think they care too much. They're not going to look at your new resume. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for being on this webinar today. I really do appreciate all the questions. I know it was a long webinar. A lot of people did send their resume in. Unfortunately, I've been talking for four hours and there are three and a half hours or whatever it is. And, and I would like to review more resumes. But what I will do is I will try to schedule. Let me see. One person did raise his hand. And actually, the person that raised his hand, I did see a resume. So let me just review it for you real quickly. I'm going to take off your information. Oh, a couple more people. But Michael raised his hand. So I'm going to look at your resume real quickly, if you don't mind, for you, just before I get off, because I know you put it in the paste. And the paste, and then I'll just do that. I just, because I know you took time to ask this question. So I want to make sure I get it for you. Hope that helps. Okay, let me just see here. It, hope I, okay, I think I got it all. Okay, so that's it. So this particular resume is, this is how it starts. 17 years. Wow, that's a good resume. I like it. Let me see here. It's a good resume. Okay, so let me just let me make sure I have it all here. I don't see the law school. Oh, here we go. It keeps going. Oh wow, another big firm. Okay. Okay, so let's get to this resume. So this is this person, Michael. 
on my call. No, we don't have a mic call. 17 years of experience working on 30,000 plus trade. Wow. All right. I don't like these introductions, but which I've talked about several times, but I think this is actually a very good introduction. I, I like it just because it's, if someone sees this, they're like, wow, this person knows exactly what they're doing. This is very, it's a very good app for a, it's a very good resume for a trademark attorney. Very good. Now, this particular information is, it comes at the top. What I, let me just here, solo practice. Okay. Okay. So this trademark corporate solo practice and then nothing. And then this 14 years from the USTPO. Great. And then this position. Yeah. This is a very good resume. I don't, it's an exceptional resume. I think the, what I like about it is I, that shows a commitment to one practice area. It shows this you worked as a law clerk. looks like hopefully during law school, but for four years, so you've always done the same thing. It's a, it's just an exceptional resume. There's nothing. Let me just see her. Yeah. And the foreign languages are kind of fun. I like this a lot. I don't know. I don't know that this needs to go in there. Like this particular stuff down here. I wouldn't put, let me actually undo that just to help you. I would remove that. Uh, I would remove this. Uh, I don't think anyone needs to know that you took classes in Hebrew. That's great. But yeah, now you already put this, I think you put the bronze medal awards and stuff from the, these on here, I would put these in your experience under the USTPO as opposed to there. And I think, yeah, I would say this would be probably enough, just this top thing here. Again, I've been counseling people for my entire career to remove this, but I do this introduction because it just, it's just awesome because it's just 30,000 trademark applications. This is a very good resume because it's so strong. I would almost recommend this part here. I would, you could put in maybe, yeah, I don't even know that you need this, but you have tens of thousands litigated. This is great. Now, I don't know why there's a comp there, but yeah, this is a very good. And then I don't know, this is one year. I would just say trademark attorney. So this is a very strong resume. It's not, what what's nice about it is it sends, it does everything that we talked about so far. So it has a consistency in the practice area. It has consistent, it has, it's very strong. You're doing one thing. You're just excellent. And the only question this person may be having is if they're, if they've been trying to apply for jobs, being in the market you're in makes it more difficult because there's not as much soft IP done in that market. And there's also the USPTO with a lot of people. I wouldn't say anything about retirement. I would just, but I would just, yeah, this is an exceptional resume. The only thing that I would recommend is if you are, and one thing I would just say from an employment perspective, located, being located in Stafford, Virginia, and then having, and I would take that off there and just say, this is fine. And then just say what you're, what kind of work you're doing and that sort of thing. But just a little bit of information there. Yeah, this is great. There's nothing really wrong with this. Now, I would, I wanted to say a couple of different things about this particular resume, just because if someone's watching this and they're a trademark attorney, sometimes when you're, if you're having issues getting a position, this particular person, if I was you, by the way, I would just start my own, I would, with this own law firm, I would get a, a freaking awesome website and just start marketing the heck out of it. And, and I don't know how you would do that, but you would probably get a lot of business, but you could also get a lot of jobs working for law firms remotely. If you don't want to leave because your family's in that area or whatever, but this is a very strong resume because you've always done the same thing. And you went to a top law school, you're, that's great. That's a very good resume. So I don't have, 
I can't really think of anything negative to say about this resume other than, yeah, nothing. So it's a good resume. The only, but in terms of what does a person like this do to get a job, it's often very difficult when you're coming out of the government after a long career to, to get a position in a law firm. Because at this point in your career, they would want you to have business and stuff. But that's not to say you couldn't start your own very profitable trademark firm or find a small IP firm to, to work for in DC or even a large one, a large IP firm or work remotely for firms all over the country. There's lots of people that are interested in you and it's a very good resume. And what's nice about it is just the consistency of this particular resume is very good. Now, Working for the government is different, of course, than working at a private law firm. The personalities are different. The pressures are different. The authority you have working for the government is different than what it's like working for a private law firm. But if it was me, I would, I would just, just because there's a lot of people in the situation. If you start your own firm, it could do very well. If you market it properly, you would have to learn how to do that. And if you want to work remotely to work anywhere in the country, you could, but you need to apply or remotely. Um, and the only other thing I would say, just in terms of trademark law, this is just a statement about trademark law, is trademark law does much better in good economies and bad because new businesses are being started and so forth. And and so it's typically much more popular and there's a lot of demand in good economies and then in bad economies that demand dries up. And then well, only one other point, about trademark law is a lot of it is, and this is just for the benefit of people on this call that may not know about it, but prosecuting and paying to have a trademark done is different than actually getting a trademark. So it's not, it's, it, a lot of it sometimes is piecemeal, meaning someone may pay $1,000 to have a trademark done or filed and then, and then that's it. So a lot of times law firms don't necessarily like the work because it doesn't generate as many fees. That's not to say it's not a good practice area for them. But this person could do very well, probably working any, anywhere in the country. So it's a good resume. And I'll just bring up a couple other points. China, Asia and things, they do have a need for people with your background as well. And you could probably get a better job. Okay, okay I hope that helps. Thanks again. Bye. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 